0: guys have your bibles with you i'm gonna invite you to open up book of ezekiel we are in a section in the book of ezekiel called the oracle of the nations every prophet has an oracle of the nations in fact i think jeremiah has the exact same seven nations uh we began last time looking at four of those nations the ammonites the moabites and the edomites When we talk about that, we need to realize, we need to remember, that's all family, okay? Moabites and Ammonites, those are the children of Lot, right? You guys remember? And the Edomites, those are the children of Esau. These parts of the family of the uh, related to Israel, they did not get along very well. And they had a tendency to allow perhaps their jealousy, frustration, bitterness to uh, determine their reaction to Israel. And in this case, all of them were celebrating the fall. Israel has fallen. Uh, Jerusalem is about to fall. Chapter 33, we'll we'll see that uh, accomplished. Uh, Jerusalem being burned and utterly destroyed by that time. And these are all celebrating it. And there's, there's two parts to that, okay? You have, throughout the Old Testament, God declaring that he, would, um, that he would bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel, right? So you have that as part of it. But the other part is the part that, that looks at the overall spiritual worldview, Deuteronomy 32, chapter 8, or I'm sorry, chapter 32, verse 8. You have the Lord saying that, that all the nations of the world, he's turning them over. He turns those over to the sons of God. And the sons of God, I think, are the fallen angels. They're going to become the source of the false gods in each one of those nations. So when Israel falls, when God pulls out his own peculiar people out of the midst to be a light unto the nations... When Israel falls, there's a celebration on the spiritual plane. Oh, look, God has failed. You know, Yahweh's people, they had to be judged. that That whole thing doesn't work out. And the Lord is saying, you only know part of the story. You think that judgment's only going to Israel. But that judgment is going to the whole land. And that's the point of the oracle of the nations. The oracle of the nations is the Lord saying to those people surrounding Israel, yeah, you're not getting a pass. I know you think Babylon's only gonna come take Israel, but that's not how that's gonna work. And so that's what we'll see as we take a look. Now tonight, we're looking at Tyre. And one of the, one of the things that Tyre is famous for is Alexander the Great conquering Tyre. And you remember Tyre? Tyre was an island roughly 600 yards off the shore it was a seafaring nation. They had built a causeway, but it was easily defensible, and so it was really difficult for people to conquer Tyre. And if you remember, Alexander the Great comes. The people withdraw out into the to the island. They withdraw off the shore, and basically, you know, they harass Alexander the Great and his army. Uh, Alexander the Great's going to lay siege to them for seven months, and he's going to build a land bridge. All the way to their front door, and so Alexander the Great is—he'll—he will utterly destroy Tyre. Tonight, when we look at Tyre, we're talking about Babylon, and what Babylon's going to do is Babylon is going to take Tyre as—as as the, uh, well, the economic power of the ancient world. Everything was going through them and from them. They were a big source of economic prosperity for the people around them, and so Tyre, Tyre didn't like following anybody's rules, and so occasionally Tyre would get conquered, they weren't, they were not really a big fighting force, they had a good navy, but um, basically they would withdraw on the island, and then the other army would set up a siege, and basically no food or water comes in, you can't do that forever. So then Tyre would say, okay, we'll, we'll pay whatever you want, you know, and and that goes different at the time of Babylon. At the time of Babylon, prior to Babylon, they would just pay them off. So they would go, hey, what what do you how much you want? And they'd name a number, and they'd give that money to whoever had conquered them, and then they'd basically let them go about business as usual. But Babylon doesn't want Tyre doing business as usual, so Tyre's gonna lose all their freedom. They're gonna they're gonna lose the opportunity to self govern. And they'll never get it back. And when Alexander conquers them, it's, it's a minor rebellion at the third world power that the scriptures talk about in the book of Daniel, right? Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. And then Messiah would come on the fourth kingdom. You remember? Daniel talked about those things. So when we look at it, that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Now Nebuchadnezzar's going to lay siege against Tyre for 13 months but he doesn't build a land bridge he doesn't get all the way to the door Tyre surrenders and Nebuchadnezzar will take over and then the Medo-Persian empire is going to grant a little bit more freedom to Tyre and then Alexander the Great when he comes through and conquers is going to obliterate And and you'll see what scripture talks about where God says I'm just going to scrape you like a rock and so all that's left of Tyre after that is the rock. Now one of the things that's important as we look at Tyre and the destruction of Tyre is it's a mirror. It's a mirror through which we can interpret and see the destruction of Babylon in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. In Revelation 17 and 18 you have the Lord saying Babylon, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. And Babylon represents the city, the economic power and the political power in rebellion against God. Babylon's going to become symbolic for that, uh, basically from Genesis 11 moving forward. And so, as we, as we see it, you're, you're, you're going to recognize some common themes. Like when Tyre falls, all the merchants are going to mourn. All the mariners, they're going, to, they're going to weep because the place where they used to trade is gone. All of these things we see again in the book of Revelation... Um, when we talk about the destruction of Babylon. So Tyre is like a, a, a little mini illustration of what we'll see in the end of day. So he begins. Uh, Ezekiel 26, verse 1. In the eleventh year, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came. Son of man, because Tyre said concerning Jerusalem, Aha! The gate of the people is broken, it swung open to me. I shall be replenished now that she is laid waste. So Basically, Tyre celebrates the destruction of Israel. And so, therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and I will bring up many nations against you. Now, we need to remember that. If you're not opposed to writing in your Bible, that's one of the things you want to write in. He's going to specifically name Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come against Tyre. But he says, I will bring many nations against you. And so nations are... Going There's going to be a consistent desire to conquer or own the economic power that is Tyre in the ancient world. Just similar to the desire to own the economic power that at least was, it seems to still be for now anyways, the United States. And the point being that those things represent those things parts of life that people trust in rather than god and so the economic power he says i'm going to bring many nations against you like the sea brings up its waves always a symbol of the 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 of chaos entering in the example of the sea and the waves and the storm especially to israel that was not seafaring philistines were seafaring israel wasn't really they fished but that's it right the Tyre, they were seafaring. So it, the sea becomes an illustration of the place where scary things come from. And so here, scary things are coming. I'm going to bring multiple nations against you. They will destroy the walls of Tyre, break down her towers. I will scrape her soil from her and make her bare rock. That's going to happen under the time of Alexander. She shall be in the midst of the sea, a place for the spreading of nets. So basically... She, she will become just a fishing village. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God. She will become a plunder for the nations. Just like we see in Babylon. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. What was the point? The merchants are going to mourn. They're going to they're weep. They're going to cry. Um, why? Because all that she was, she isn't anymore. Everybody who could have gained from her, gained. Gained. And then they stand off and watch the smoke of her burning. Here she has become a plunder for the nations, and her daughters on the mainland will be killed by the sword. And then they will know that I am the Lord. Now there, this is going to this is going to be uh, in Ezekiel, I, th- I want to say 70 times. might be more than that. but you're going to have this phrase over and over, And over again, then they will know I am the Lord. Then they will know I am the Lord. God speaking about the things that he has control the nations, not the gods they worship. The nations would think, well, our God is going to protect us. You know, Yahweh couldn't handle what was going on in Israel, but our gods will protect us. If you read Psalm 82, you see God speaking in Psalm 82 about judging the gods, judging the the false gods that the people worshipped. Here, the Lord is saying, you'll know I'm the Lord because nothing is going to spare you from this action that's going to be taking place. Now, in verse 7, as we go on, I call this area the the beginning of sorrows because Nebuchadnezzar is coming, but there's going to be nation after nation after nation. This is going to be years and years, decades, uh, hundreds of years of, of oppression that's going to come toward Tyre. And so he says, "For thus says the Lord God, behold, I will bring against Tyre from the north, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings, horses and chariots and horsemen and the hosts of many soldiers." So the same guy that conquered Israel is going to conquer Tyre. Tyre is going to lose their freedom just like Israel lost hers. And so he's saying he's going to come. He will kill with the sword, your daughters on the mainland. He will set up a siege wall against you. Throw up a mound against you. Raise a roof of shields. So this, this is part of the. Uh, this is the early part of the development of what Alexander the Great would perfect, where they would build a shield wall, and then they would have spearmen behind the shield wall. They'd have covering for them. They'd have protection at the rear so the phalanx would be able to move. This is being described as Nebuchadnezzar, part of what Nebuchadnezzar develops in the beginning that Alexander will perfect. He will direct the shock of his battering rams against your walls. His axes will break down your towers. His horses will be so many that the dust will cover you. Walls will shake at the noise of the horsemen, wagons, chariots, (laughs) <laughs> when he enters your gates as men enter a city that has been breached now the point is Tyre is going to surrender to him so when he enters through the gates he's going to enter as a conqueror but he's not, he won't have broke down the walls he's not going to wipe the island clean like Alexander will but he is the beginning of sorrows this is where they will lose the beginning of losing their freedom and losing the economic control that they had enjoyed uh, with the hooves of his horses, he will trample the streets. He will kill your people with the sword. Your mighty pillars will fall to the ground. They will plunder your riches and loot your merchandise. So he's going to take their profit. So they think they're just going to pay him a lump sum. Remember I talked, this is what they were used to doing, like paying protection money. Well, there's not going to be any protection money. The way it's going to work this time is Nebuchadnezzar is going to say, yeah, all your stuff is my stuff now. All the stuff you sell is what I sell now. You, you work for me. And so they will be subservient from that time forward. Um, they'll break down your walls, destroy the pleasant houses. Uh, just like everywhere else that Nebuchadnezzar conquered, he's going to take the nobles back to Babylon. He's going to set up a puppet ruler, just like he did in Israel. And, uh, and he will govern the place in that way. Um, Your stones, timber, soil will be cast into the midst of the waters. Now, this is interesting because from about verse 12 on, you have, they will plunder, they will break your walls, destroy. Uh, Your stones and timber and soil, they will cast in the midst of the ocean. Seems to be a distinction in in the prophecy. These things are all going to be performed by Alexander the Great. The beginning of sorrows will be Nebuchadnezzar. And the end will be Alexander the Great. When Alexander the Great leaves, all Tyre will be is a fishing village. He's going to throw it all into the sea. That's how he builds the bridge, right? As he conquers, as he tears down their buildings and stuff on the mainland, he's going to throw it into the sea and build a land bridge to take his army all the way there. And so this scripture is is indicating they're going to throw... Uh, all these things into the midst of the sea. And then the Lord says, verse 13, I will stop the music of your songs and the sound of your lyres will be heard no more. Now, for the most part, Tyre had enjoyed uh, being able to get through life because she had a lot of money and she could buy herself out of trouble. But beginning with Nebuchadnezzar, that was all going to go away. So her ability to enjoy the economic success that she had is going to begin to diminish until it's totally gone until it's utterly uh, been removed I will make you a bare rock you will be a place for the spreading of nets you will never be rebuilt for I am the Lord I have spoken declares the Lord God so he lays out Tyre's future the future of Tyre and the struggles that Tyre will have moving forward now verse 15 Uh, He goes on, Thus says the Lord God to Tyre, Will not the coastlands shake at the sound of your fall? This should remind you of Revelation 17 and 18. This is the other merchants mourning the loss of the economic uh, powerhouse. It was Tyre. When the wounded groan, when the slaughter is made in your midst, then all the princes of the sea will step down from their thrones, remove their robes, strip off their embroidered garments. They will clothe themselves with trembling... They will sit on the ground and tremble every moment and be appalled at you. They will raise a lamentation over you and say, How you have perished, you who were inhabited from the seas. O city renowned, who was mighty on the sea. She and her inhabitants imposed their terror on all her inhabitants. Now the coastlands tremble at the day of your fall. The coastlands that are on the sea are dismayed at your passing. For thus says the Lord God, I will make you a city laid waste like cities that are not inhabited. And I will bring up the deep over you great waters to cover you. And I will make you go down with those down to the pit, to the people of old. I will make you dwell in the world below from the ruins from of old with those who go down to the pit, so that you will not be inhabited. Now part of what the Lord is saying is, Look, your future is utter separation. The idea of down to the pit, in Old Testament cosmology, the idea was uh, Yahweh was who saved you from Sheol. Sheol is the pit, the grave. You would go to the grave and you had no hope. This is why the psalmist would declare you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. That you will not allow me to stay in Sheol in the pit so for the nations that are being judged who are Serving other gods the Lord is telling them look your future is the pit There's no salvation for you in the pit This is what you can expect the the idea of of being separated from uh, Hope in God and salvation from him He goes on but I will set beauty in the land of the living. Now here's what God is saying to Tyre: You celebrated the destruction of Israel, but it's not over. They're coming back. There's a remnant that's going to return to the land. I will set beauty in the land of the living. <clears throat> the Lord wants them to know that the nation it is not over for them. For Tyre, it will be. I will bring you to a dreadful end, and you will be no more. Though you be sought for, you will never be found again, declares the Lord God. So he's saying, for your future, you you have terror, trembling, trouble. You have no certainty. No one can save you from my hand. This is the judgment that he's laying upon them. And this will be the, the end of them as an economic power. Well, chapter 27, he's going to tell them that this is going to be the end of their influence. Chapter 27, we're going to look at that right now. And chapter 28, we won't see till next time. Chapter 28 is where we'll see the power behind the throne in Tyre. If you've ever looked at Ezekiel 28, you'll know what is coming. But, um, but first, we'll work our way through 27. The, the end of Tyre's influence. So the word of the Lord came to me. Now you, son of man, raise a lamentation over Tyre. So basically this is a funeral song. So he's telling Ezekiel, you're going you're to write a, a funeral song and we're going to sing this lamentation. Now Tyre's still standing. Uh, they're, not, they're not gone yet. Th- their time has not come. But the Lord is saying to Ezekiel, prepare a lamentation. And say to Tyre, who dwells in the entrance of the sea, merchant of the peoples to many coastlands, thus says the Lord God, O Tyre, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. Your borders are in the heart of the sea. Your builders made perfect your beauty. They made all (coughs) the planks of fir from Sinir. They took cedar from Lebanon and made a cast for you. Of oaks of Bashan, they made your oars. They made your deck of pines from the coast of Cyprus, inlaid with ivory. Fine embroidered linen from Egypt was your sail, serving as your banner, blue and purple, from the coast of Elasha was your awning. So he's laying out for them. Look at the influence that you had and all the things people did for you. And the description, poetically, is of this beautiful ship. This beautiful ship that all the coastland nations are going to be a part of. Now, there's going to be several nations that are going to be named here in uh, chapter 26 and 27. And you will see them come up again later on when we get into Ezekiel 37 and 38. All of the nations that are named are all seafaring people. So when someone tells you what a particular nation is, you need to look on a map, and say, could the ship get there? Because especially how it relates to Tyre, Tyre did all their trading by ship. All by ship. And you'll see a little bit of this distinction come up when, uh, when I begin to say things like, this is not Russia. We, in, the, in the era of the 80s, When we were in a pretty strong Cold War with Russia, Russia became the boogeyman for everybody. And still today you have this concept about this battle in Ezekiel that is Russia and all these other nations against Israel. And one of the things you'll discover if you will spend some time looking on a map, Russia was almost 900 land miles away. Meaning Tyre did not take a, a ship. 900 land miles from the nearest water. So when we look at that, we're going to need to bring that into account. The other thing we know is that all of these, all of these uh, places, we know where they are. We can show you on a map. So we'll talk about them. They're all south of the Black Sea. They're going to be uh, around the Mediterranean Ocean. We'll take a look at those as we work our way. But just think about that as we we develop the concepts laid out before us. Uh, There will be Gog and Magog. Yes, there will be an army risen up. And Russia may or may not play into it, but they're not mentioned. Meshach is not Moscow. We'll talk about that when we get into chapter 38. But as we look, we'll see some of those mentioned here. And I just want you to understand, Tyre was a seafaring trader. That's how they traded goods. And all the places that are mentioned, they all have a harbor through which Tyre could trade. The inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad are your rowers, your skilled men. Oh, tire were in you. They were your pilots, the elders of Gabal and her skilled men were in you cocking your seams all the ships of the sea and all their mariners were in you to barter for your wares he, he, the Lord's telling you who was there right Persia and Ludd and Put were were in your army as your men of war these were uh, mercenaries that they paid for you know the funny thing about mercenaries is when you stop paying them they yeah they stop showing up that be it becomes a problem for Tyre. Now, when Tyre had all the money, that worked out good. But eventually, that's going to change. Uh, okay, he says, They hung their shields on your walls all around. They made perfect your beauty. Tarshish did business with you because of your great wealth of every kind. Silver, iron, tin, lead they exchanged for your wares. Javan, Tubal, Meshech traded with you. They exchanged human beings, vessels of bronze for your merchandise. From Beth to Gorma, they exchanged horses, war horses, and mules for your, wear, your wares. The men of Didan traded with you. Many coastlands were your own special markets. They brought you in payment ivory, tusks, and ebony. Syria did business with you because of your abundant goods. They exchanged for your wares emeralds, purple, embroidered work, Uh, Fine linen, coral, and ruby. Judah in the land of Israel traded with you. They exchanged for your merchandise, wheat of minith, meal, honey, oil, and balm. Damascus did business with you for your abundant goods because of your great wealth of every kind. Wine from Helbon, (coughs) wool from Sahar, the casks of wine from Uzal. They exchanged for your wares wrought iron cassia calamus were bartered for your merchandise didan traded with you in saddle claws for riding. arabia and all the princes of kadar were your favored dealers and lambs rams and goats in these they did business with you <clears throat> the traders of sheba and ramah traded with you they exchanged for your wares the best of all kinds of spices and all precious stones and gold haran Kenay, Eden, traders of Sheba, Ashur, uh, Kilmad, traded with you. In your market, these traded with you in choice garments, clo- uh, clothes of blue embroidered work, in carpets of colored material, bound with cords and made secure. The ships of Tarshish traveled for you with your merchandise, so you were filled and heavily laden in the heart of the seas." now everybody that's mentioned they all border a body of water through which seafaring trade could take place all around the mediterranean ocean persian gulf black sea so we have all of these things laid out these are the areas uh, that that people were traded with and so the point is this is all going to end and it's all going to change it's going to stop being routed through tire And it's going to begin being routed through Babylon. And it's going to be routed through Babylon during Nebuchadnezzar. And it's going to be routed through Babylon during uh, uh, Cyrus. And it's going to be routed through Babylon during Alexander. The only time any of that's going to change is when Rome comes on the scene. And then guess where it's going to be routed? Through Rome. And so we're seeing the decline of this economic power laid out in scripture. Verse 26, <clears throat> he goes on, your rowers have brought you out into the high seas. The east wind has wrecked you in the heart of the seas. Your riches, your rare, your wares, your merchandise, your mariners, your pilots, your caulkers, your dealers in merchandise, all your men of war who are in you, with all your crew, with all that is in your midst, sink into the heart of the seas on the day of your fall so all of this is going to go away and again I I can't probably I can't express enough you see the same thing in Revelation at the fall of the economic system that is in opposition to God the destruction of Babylon in Revelation the end of that economic system because the one thing every single economic system we have has in common is oppression of everybody I don't care which one you pick does not matter I know we're all capitalists here you know we like free market systems that's all great all those free market systems still run on the back of slaves they always have they always will the slaves are in a faraway country and you can't see them. But it doesn't matter because you got your Nikes and everything's okay. And it doesn't matter how socially aware a company is. Apple does the exact same thing. They, because in order, the, the key is I need to make a buck. And the best way to make a buck is to pay somebody the least to do what I need done. Right? It doesn't matter. If you you leave that and you go to socialism, you still are oppressing, right? It's oppression, 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 oppression. An economic system not in submission to God will always be oppressive. A political system not in submission to God will always be a wicked system. I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, Independent. I don't care if it's a king or a czar or none of it matters. If it's not in submission to God, it's wicked. And so that's why in Revelation you see the Lord destroy the economic system. Right after the economic system, the political system falls. Right after the economic and political system falls, who comes? 17, Revelation 17, economic, religious, political. And then Revelation 19, you have Jesus Christ coming back, setting his feet down in a valley called the plains of Megiddo or Armageddon. Right? You have the establishment in Revelation chapter 20 of the kingdom of God. Where he rules and reigns for a thousand years of perfect peace. And then you have Revelation uh, 21 and 22, new heaven, new earth and we live happily ever after. I long for those days. There's a lot of chapters in between that that, that don't read so nice. Nobody likes to read Revelation 6 through 19. A lot of bad stuff. But it's similar here. When we look at Stories in the Old Testament about the destruction of Gog and Magog. Here's what you really need to understand about that. Not, it's not about who are the exact players so that we know. Here's what you need to know. All the kingdoms of men since the book of Daniel, going all the way back to Genesis 11 when, when a place called Babel, all mankind united at a place called Babel, built a tower to reach up into the heavens to declare themselves to be their own gods. And God came down, uh, struck them with the multiplication of languages. You have the division of the peoples. God pulling out his own special peculiar people, Israel, becoming a light to the Gentiles. And the rest of the story from Genesis 12 to the end of Revelation is God redeeming the nations. The Lord reaching the nation. That's why when you look at Revelation chapter 7, I think Revelation chapter 14, you see... The fruit of the 144,000 being this innumerable host from every tribe, nation, and tongue who are saved. Right? God's redemption of all the nations. He's going to reach out into them all. There will be a great uh, redemption that takes place. But the point is that one day when Christ returns, all the wicked will be destroyed. And the righteous will enter into a perfect age with Christ. Gog and Magog in in, uh, Ezekiel 38 is no different. The armies rise up. The Lord delivers the people. They enter into a beautiful time of his kingdom. We see the same thing in Revelation 19. You see the same thing again in Revelation 20. The point is the Lord is going to deliver the righteous from the wicked. There will be... A new heaven and a new earth where God's people will rejoice in his presence forevermore. That's the point. That's the thing we hold on to. We look at and we say, we, we long for, we look for your deliverance, Lord. Your deliverance through all these things. Now in verse 30, he says, Now shout aloud over you and they'll cry out bitterly. They'll cast dust on their heads. This is the action of mourners wallow in ashes they'll make themselves bald for you they'll put sackcloth on their waist and weep over you in bitterness of soul with bitter mourning just like babylon in revelation 17 and 18 in their wailing they raise a lamentation for you and lament over you who is like tyre like one destroyed in the midst of the sea when your wares come from the seas you are you satisfied many peoples with your abundant wealth and merchandise you enriched kings in the earth now you are wrecked by the seas and the depths of the waters your merchandise your crews in the midst have sunk with you all the inhabitants of the coastlands are appalled and the hair of the king bristles with horror their faces are convulsed the merchants among the people hiss at you you have become or you have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever Now, next chapter, we're not done with Tyre. got another chapter with Tyre. We're going to see the power behind the throne uh, and great insight into the one we would call Satan uh, that we'll see in chapter 28. Then we'll have a few more chapters on Egypt. But again, the Lord's saying, look, this judgment is for all. When you read Revelation, when the Lord's bringing judgment throughout the great tribulation where does it land? It lands everywhere. Is there anywhere on earth it's spared? No. No place on earth it's spared. Because the judgment is not just on God's people. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? The idea that that there's a tyrannical ruler, the God of this air, uh, the God of this world, sometimes people call him Satan. uh, It's not his. He don't own it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all His. It's all His. And He will come and take it back. And He will put down wicked. And He will lift up the righteous. He will push off the proud. And He will lift up the humble. Just like His word declares. This is His purpose, this is His point. And it was the point of the oracle of the nations with all the prophets uh, that we'll study as we work our way through the Old Testament. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We can open your word, study your word. God, I pray, Lord, that, that we would grow, that we would... <clears throat> Just daily, daily, day by day, grow closer to you. Understand, Lord. The point of all these stories is not to say, look at God's getting them, and God's getting them, and God's getting them. The point every time is that the Lord is our salvation. And at any moment the people could lift a cry and the Lord would relent. You have Nineveh, judgment at hand, Jonah the prophet passing through, the Lord is going to destroy you all. And yet the king puts on sackcloth and ashes, commands the people to repent and the Lord spares the people. Because the Lord is our salvation. The heartbreaking thing about the book of Revelation is these events occur, these natural disasters come. The Lord speaks of them beforehand, but then he says, and still the people would not repent. Still they would not lift a hand to be saved. The nations would rather perish then bow the knee to the lord god almighty so lord help us to understand comprehend that you are everything that we need and that this is the cry to a world that had abandoned you from the fall and the corruption of man and the rebellion of man all the way back in genesis 11 Lord, you have brought light to the darkness, but men have shouted at the light. We love the darkness more. God, we pray that you would help us to be lights in the darkness in our day. And that men would come to know that you are our salvation. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.